Welcome to Honor Radio. I am your host, Mark Soto, and my co-host and producer is my dear friend, Rick Sutter. Rick, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, buddy. I sure did, Coach. Thank you. I hope you did, I hope you had it. It was a great time with family, bud. We have a great great podcast uh, for you today, but before I make my introductions, I want to get some housekeeping items out of the way. Most of you who follow our social media pages know that we have been going through a great deal of pain with Facebook fact checkers, censoring our content and removing our pages. Several weeks ago, they removed all of our military support pages and even went so far to remove my personal business page, which deals with nothing but real estate, which is my primary way of making money for my family. Because of this, we took the steps to protect and safeguard our content. We're slowly migrating away from this space called Facebook. And please follow us on Rumble, Twitter, iTunes to subscribe to our mailing list. Is there anything I'm forgetting, Rick, that they can find us on? Spotify. Spotify. I would really appreciate that. These social media outlets handle free speech much more differently than um, some of the others. And I'm sure... Rick will attach a link to this podcast and make it easy for you to and the listeners to do this. And thank you. Once again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and just about everything else, and Rumble, which has been a really good friend of us. And now, without further delay, we'd like to welcome our amazing guest. He's a dear friend of mine. Please welcome Joe Kennedy and his attorney from First Liberty, Jeremy Dyes. Welcome, guys. Hey, it's good to see you, Coach. Hey, you Rick? Well, it's good to see you, buddy. And, Jeremy, it's good to have you back. It's been a while, but uh, God bless you, buddy. It really yeah. is. Thanks. Um, let me set this up for you guys that are listening. Um, this is, I feel, one of our most important podcasts. We have a lot of friends that come on board, a lot of celebrities that have been on board. Um, but this one, um, I'm kind of nervous about. Because um, I just love Joe. I, I Ever since I met him, um, uh, I just love his heart. I love his passion. I love that uh, he's a patriot. And uh, uh, to be able to tell his story and talk about his new book, impending new movie, is really super exciting for me. Um, coach is a coach just like me. Um, he was a football coach in Bremerton. He's also a former gunnery sergeant in the u.s marine corps so some of you guys out there then the marine corps will will love this got a gift for some right off the bat joe he served 20 years and served in desert storm his story is detailed in his new book called average joe joe buddy um let's just start from the beginning the book says that you're uh a coach, you have, you know, they, they love you. Your, your athletes love you just like they do all our coaches, uh, all of us, when it comes to coaching, um, we can become very close to the people, the young men that are playing for us, right? We, they, they become part of our heart and, uh, they became a part of yours and you're doing a simple thing after games of just kneeling down on the 50 yard line and praying. What happens, Joe? What happens up from that point? 
Yeah, something so simple as thanking God. And that was my commitment from the very beginning. I had a covenant with God when I started taking up uh, the coaching, um, my calling, which was coaching. And I made a commitment with God. I'd just give them thanks after every game, win or lose. And that's what I started. And the kids wanted to come out and join me. And I said, it's a free country. You can absolutely do that. Went on for eight years. So through eight, eight seasons, this is what happened. And I just thank God afterwards. Sometimes he came out. And you know, kids, if... You know, we win by a lot. Sometimes they lost their mind and didn't want to come out, and they just want to celebrate. Sometimes if we got our butts kicked, they, you know, lose by 60 points. They didn't want to celebrate. They want to lick their wounds and get hugged by their girlfriend or mom and dad. So, you know, it was never a requirement thing. It was just something that I always did, and I ran to that. And it went on for eight years until um, we got a compliment from it, and Somebody called our administration and, and told them, hey, I just went to a football game and I want to tell you what your football program is, what they're doing is awesome. And that started a whole investigation and kind of took us down a very weird path. Unbelievable, buddy. So um, you, you're you just kneeling. It's not like you were doing, you know, the Lord's Prayer, this big, long thing like we do in our football events, right, Rick? Oh, yeah. But, um, and I've always taught my kids to do what is right, and if you if you have a problem with it, you still follow the directions, but from there, you could challenge it and to be bold and, and have your courage to fight what you believe in, and I was not going to include my kids because I would never jeopardize uh, you're, you're just doing a simple prayer, thanking God for a great game, for the athletes that are playing for you. That's it, right? And they come after you. They come after you. Your wife was working for the school district in human resources, made things very tough on you guys. And the next thing you know, uh, they're terminating you from your position, correct? Right, yeah. First, they gave me a letter of direction that said that uh, not to pray with the students anymore. And that was unfortunate, but I, I understood. We didn't want to cause any problems. You know, these guys are my friends. We've been working together for a decade. And like you said, my wife, she works for the school district. So, you know, we go to holiday parties together and we spend, you know, vacations together. We go to church together. We didn't want any of this to cause a problem. So I immediately stopped praying with the kids and just kept doing it by myself. And when they told me that I needed to stop doing that because people could see me, that's when I needed help. And I got a hold of First Liberty Institute because I was way over my head. I could not understand why something so simple as somebody taking a knee in public was such a wrong thing. Well, unbelievable, my friend. I remember hearing of this. I think it was Fox News and all the media that was coming to you because of this. And Rick and I um, were in the heat of our football event, and we're men of faith, and just like you, and simple men, right? But um, I remember hearing this and how upset and angry we both got, right? It was just a... It was a hard time for us because we prayed with our athletes before the honorable football games. We bring a, uh, a minister, we bring a wounded guy, we bring a military commander, and we tell the story of sacrifice, of brotherhood, of commitment, of all of that. And then we have the guys lock arm and we say a simple prayer before they go out on the football field. And when I heard that they were hurting you and coming after you in that type of way, it fired us up, buddy. And so we followed your, your journey through it all. They ended up terminating you. 
you end up uh, hiring for Celebrity, which, Jeremy, I got to tell you, buddy, it is an absolute joy to have you back on this podcast. Um, I love what your organization does. I love its mission. I love its values. I love you guys, man. And so you hear about this. What happens from that point, Jeremy? Yeah, well, it's uh, kind of providential how we got in touch with uh, with Coach. There was a former graduate of Bremerton High School that happened to be in an event that we were at as well, both of us attorneys, and uh, walking through the lunch line, he says, hey, I'm supposed to talk to you guys, because uh, he had heard about this situation from a friend there back in Bremerton. This is in Oklahoma where this conversation is happening. And uh, so we, we hear about that situation. We say, well, look, we need to look into that more. One of our attorneys flies out to Bremerton, uh, talks with the coach. I think one of the first questions he asked him was, are you some kind of religious nut job? Uh, and finding out that he was a nut job, but not a religious nut job was satisfactory for us. And uh, <laughs> we were able to, to work together. What we thought was going to be like a two-week case. We're going to send a letter to the school district, tell them that this is really no big deal. It shouldn't be a cause of concern at all. Uh, perhaps work something out to satisfy all parties. And we'd be done. Coach would be coaching football. He'd continue to do his prayer thing. And that would be that. But then, you know, eight years later, we're before the Supreme Court of the United States in what is one of the longer pieces of litigation that I've had to be a part, a part of. Three, five, let's, get up! let's go back a little ways, right? It just, it was eight years battle to get to the Supreme Court. But also, let's preface this, that um, leading up to it, you were also dealing with a West Coast, West Coast Ninth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, which um, is a very liberal uh, uh, court. And they kept, am I right? Did they keep just knocking the case down, kept knocking the case down, and you kept bringing it up and bringing it up? How does that work, Jeremy? How does it, they're, they're, they're doing their thing with the Ninth Court. How does it get to the Supreme Court? What happens? Yeah, so first we had to file a lawsuit in Seattle in federal district court, which is the entry level to the ju federal judicial system. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a case on the books since the early 1970s called Lemon versus Kurtzman that, that basically said, and I won't get into significant legal detail here, but basically says if there's ever religion entangling itself with the state, religion loses. That's kind of what the, the precedent had evolved to say over the past uh, 45, 50 years. Uh, and so the court at the federal district court there in Seattle said, well, Lemon controls here. Uh, and so Coach Kennedy loses. So we appeal to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers, you know, Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, Montana, and maybe a couple other states, Nevada, and a couple other states out there on the West Coast. It's a very large area. And the Ninth Circuit, a three-judge panel says, yeah, the district court got it right. And they added their own thoughts to it all. So we then appeal to what's called the en banc, the full court of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And all the judges in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals says, yeah, they're, they're all right. Coach Kennedy loses. So we appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States. And the Supreme Court said, well, look, there's some things we need to know about this case before we can actually rule on it. So we're denying your appeal right now but we need these questions answered. And so we were sent all the way back to the district court where we gave the information. Okay, hold on, Jerry, I got I, this. How often does the Supreme Court do something like that? How often do they say, hey, hold on, but if you do this, I mean, how, does, is that rare? It, it's rare, but it's not uncommon either. So it does happen. Look, there are about 8,000, 10,000 cases or so every year appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States 
Mm -hmm. And they take between 60 and 80 cases every year. So it's pretty rare that you even get accepted to hear the case at the Supreme Court. That's the more rare situation. But the questions that they needed answered, we go back to uh, the, the, the district court to, to find out. And that's called the discovery process. So we went through uh, a short period of taking depositions and getting information and asking questions of each other and then filing motions again. And then we lost at the district court. We go to the Ninth Circuit. We lost again. We go to the full Ninth Circuit, that en banc court. We lost again. So here we are on the on the steps of the Supreme Court. Now, I think, oh, for six in the court system. Uh, and we're, we're uh, you know, at, at the 99 yard line on the opposite side of the field, having to go to the Supreme Court to be one of the 60 or 70 cases that they're going to hear out of 10,000 people that apply to be heard at the Supreme Court every year. Uh, the chances are very small that we're actually going to have this case heard. But thank goodness the Lord saw fit to allow the Supreme Court to uh, take this case and hear it and not only hear it, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, we, we ran 99 yards into the end zone and won the Super Bowl at the last minute. Amazing. Three, five. Three, five. Gets, gets up. Three, five. Gets up. That gets a get somebody because I got to tell you, I remember that day when we got the news, Rick and I were head bumping. We were, yeah. we were just high fiving. It was such an amazing day for us. And, and Joe, I know it was for you, buddy. Get, bring us back. What, what were you doing that day? Well, I mean, how were you, I, I heard you went out for a steak dinner, but I mean, how did you feel after all eight years of fighting this? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I wish I could say it was a great party afterwards, but it really wasn't. Uh, I, I flew up, um, I flew up to, uh, uh, Texas, uh, to be with first Liberty and we were sitting in their conference room and you, you know, the week before is when, uh, Dobbs, uh, the Roe versus Wade one came out. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't know when ours was coming out. And so I flew up there. We're waiting. We had no idea if it was coming out that week or not. I just happened to fly up there just in case. And it was the first one that popped up on that morning. And I kind of look at, at each other and we're looking around this conference room with all these lawyers. And I, they're like, there it is. What, what does it say? What does it say? Jeremy's over there shushing me, just, shh, I'm trying to read. I'm trying to read. And going, you know, I'm tugging on his sleeve like like a little kid. What does it say? What does it say? And so finally, he, he you know, shushes me up enough and says, yeah, you won. 6-3. Now shut up and let me read. So... <laughs> He tells me we win, and then, uh, yeah, we just kind of stood up, gave each other high fives, and then we run into the room where Jeremy's at right now, into their studio, and we did 87 interviews over the next three days. It wasn't until three days later that I'd, I had that steak dinner with my wife, so I didn't even get to celebrate until three days later. <laughs> well, you were celebrating with some friends that went to war for you, buddy. They yeah, battled, absolutely. They battled for you with God by their side. Man, and that was the celebration right there. I could just imagine. Yeah, we had to tell we had to tell the world, man. We had to share that with America that that law and order and the First Amendment is live and well in America. Absolutely. So educate me a little farther here, Jeremy, because there was something that was tucked into the Supreme Court ruling called the Lemon v. Kurtzman uh, case. Um, this case had been cited over 7,000 times in courts across America. It created hostility towards religious expressions of freedom, you know, things like nativity scenes and menorahs being removed from public venues, uh, the Ten Commandment monuments that were being taken down nationwide. These attacks against religious expressions 
were all based on the Lemon case. And this was tucked into this decision by the Supreme Court. Could you give us a little background on that, Jeremy? Yeah, the, the Lemon case is as sour as it sounds. Look, that's kind of what I referred to earlier, where this case had held that if there is an excessive entanglement of religion with the state, then basically the, the what's called the Establishment Clause, that one of the provisions in our, our First Amendment, uh, that says that religion has to lose because government is establishing a religion or somehow that could be perceived by some reasonable observer. Look, it took, like you said, 7,000 7, different cases that decided that case over 40 some odd years, all for the proposition that religion has to lose and this thing called the separation of church and state, which is not found in our Constitution, uh, that became sort of entrenched in our thinking uh, over the past four or five decades of the rule of the lemon test. But in recent years, in fact, going back to 2018, when we won a case of the Supreme Court on behalf of veterans of a veterans memorial erected in 1925, uh, that case had become very suspect. Uh, and frankly, we thought that that case had been uh, overruled back in 2018. But then Coach Kennedy's case is still ongoing and the courts are still citing it. And other cases are being uh, run through the system, and the, the lemon is still being uh, cited. In fact, Justice Scalia, if you go back 25 years ago, and remember Justice Antonin Scalia, mm -hmm. uh, he even said that the lemon test, this lemon versus Kurtzman case, is like a, uh, a ghoul at the late-night horror picture show to be killed in the first act, only to come alive again in the third act. Uh, wow. And it was very true that every time we thought this case was dead, it would resurrect out of its grave and walk around zombie-like as if it was still alive, uh, devouring whatever was in its path, including Coach Kennedy. But thankfully, once and for all, in Coach Kennedy's case, that case was explicitly overruled. It's kind of funny how it was done. Uh, the, the, the majority opinion says basically, hey, we haven't actually applied lemon in over a decade, which was true. The Supreme Court actually had not applied lemon in over a decade. But the problem was all the lower courts were applying it. Uh, and so they were as if the, the Supreme Court was sort of tapping the microphone saying, hey, is this thing on? Because we don't think this is good law anymore. And for those who still doubted that Lemon versus uh, Kurtzman was overturned, Justice Sotomayor in her dissent. So she disagreed with the decision in Coach Kennedy's case. But she says in her dissent that Lemon is overruled by the court's decision. So it's it's explicitly clear now that all those 7,000 cases that had restrained religious freedom, uh, those were dead letters now. They were bad law. And so they're no longer good law. And in place of it is Kennedy versus Bremerton, which stands for the principle that we've got a First Amendment. And inside of that are two specific clauses that relate to religious freedom. Those are not to be wielded against each other as Lemon had done, using the Establishment Clause to punish the Free Exercise Clause. Instead, the court said, you're supposed to use these things as two sides of one, co one coin, protecting, maximizing religious freedom wherever possible, rather than punishing it. So the principle going forward now with Coach Kennedy's case is that uh, no one has to uh, put away their religious freedom. They don't have to hide their religion. They don't have to put their uh, uh, kipper in their in their uh, uh, you know their, their yarmulke in in their their glove box as they go into the the school grounds. They don't have to take off the crucifix around their neck. They don't have to take the hijab off their head. Uh, they don't have to stop saying grace over their lunchtime prayer if, if if students could simply see them doing that. All these are perfectly fine expressions of religion in a diverse and pluralistic society that we ought to to welcome. And uh, frankly, if schools aren't capable of teaching their kids how to live in such an environment, well, I kind of wonder, and I think the court does too, 
how they're capable of teaching anything at all. So the, the, the bottom line is Kennedy versus Bremerton stands for the important principle that the free exercise of religion means just that, that you're free to exercise your religion. And thankfully, because a coach took a knee to stand up for our religious freedom, we are all now more free than we've been in my entire lifetime and probably yours as well. Free five! Get up! Oh, man, Jeremy, that was beautiful. <laughs> coach Kennedy, thank you for having Jeremy on. My goodness, buddy. Yeah, he's worth every penny I paid him. Let me oh, my goodness. He's got me ready to put a helmet on and run through a wall. My goodness. <laughs> That is beautiful. So, Jeremy, when you hear about this separation of church and state, I mean, we're hearing it all the time in honor balls, right? You can't be doing that, coach. You can't be doing this. Does this kind of eliminate all that? Does it, I mean, break it down for me, buddy. Here's the, here's the biggest concern we have going forward right now. Now, that lemon case is bad law. And there are going to be a lot of other cases that come up to sort of test the boundaries of what we think the free exercise clause actually means and how it, it works within the new test that the court has put in place with history and tradition in its place and all that. Here's the bottom line, though. We have lived for almost 50 years in this country under Lemon versus Kurtzman. We have had our religious liberty suppressed for 50 years. We've become accustomed to having uh, the public square devoid of religion. In fact, it's a thing you don't talk about politely in society. You don't mention religion. We've, got, we've done that for so long, we've become accustomed and used to that. So much so that it's almost like someone has thrown the blankets off in the middle of the night and we're all freezing cold in our beds. We're used to that warm blanket of uh, religious suppression out there. But the founding fathers wanted something else for us. They valued a public square in which religion was welcomed, that the debate would involve religious discussions, that uh, school systems and school districts would be filled with people of faith, that uh, anywhere in the public square that you would find yourself, whether at work or whether you're uh, erecting monuments to those who had fallen in battle, whatever it is, that religion was a part of that discussion. So now that we're back to what the founding fathers wanted us to be, we need to live like we are actually a free people. So here's my great concern, is that we've won the right to freedom. Coach Kennedy has plowed that, that ground for us over seven or eight years of litigation. We have worked for decades to overturn that case. My concern is that America, the American people will not live like they are actually free people. They're so used to being suppressed with religion that they just assume that their religion is not welcome in the public square. So here's my message to you and to everybody else listening. Go live like the free people that the Founding Fathers wanted you to live like. Go be people of faith in public. Reference your religion in school. Take advantage of the freedoms that we've been given to us, and do not hide from that. And if you are ever questioned for having exercised your religion in public by someone who wants to simply heckle you for your faith, then call First Liberty Institute, and we, like we did with Coach Kennedy, will defend you free of charge. Man, I... Uh... Thank you. Thank, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded because of the greatness of what Kennedy versus Bremen has brought, brought on. I mean, to have this happen in our time and see it happen in this type of way from a simple coach, man, I got to tell you, your book, Joe, outlines your life, um, the hard difficulties that you had being raised, and, and God called you. He selected you to be this vehicle, this Marine, right? Ura, right? Out of the, he selected you 
to take this fight on. And uh, you got to be very honored, my friend. Yeah, well, see, that was the, the cool thing about doing the book is we wanted to tell the story of not just a, a simple little thing like a lawsuit, because I mean, in, in all actuality, it was pretty boring about writing about taking a knee for 15 seconds and doing a lawsuit, because in all actuality, that that's boring. That's boring news. There's nothing newsworthy about that. But what God did with that and what the American people stood up for and stood behind me in that and prayed for and supported and how God could take an idiot like me and change a nation on that, change the history of everything with, with somebody who was willing to just stand. And, and it was the right thing to do. So imagine what we could all do together. And I want to inspire others to be able to stand up just like I did, because if I could do it, anybody could do it because it's the right thing to do. Wow. You know what, Rick? I, we got to have this guy at Camp Pendleton with us. I don't know why. Well, uh, Joe, have we ever invited you to come with the teams to Camp Pendleton with us? Yeah, we had conflicting schedules uh, uh, the last few times. I, I didn't make it to the to the uh, Aloha Bowl uh, last year because my my schedules was free. But uh, we we need to work it out where I could come out there to with you guys because you know those are my stomping grounds and oh, you know man. your son, my son, and mm -hmm. I actually got another son who's in the Marine Corps too. So you know we we got kids that are out there serving, and I know there's millions of Americans that got kids that are serving in the service. So you know we're supporting all of those. We are one of the only high schools that are welcomed on the base to bring the teams before they play in the honor bowl um, to tour the, the Memorial gardens of the fifth regiment. And nice. it's always nice to have guests like you to talk to the kids about, you know, your story, what you've been through. Um, I'd love to have him by Jeremy. I think he'd be great to, to come out and see that too and talk with the kids. So, you win the case. The Supreme Court uh, rules favorably. You go back to coaching? Yeah, so that was a very interesting thing. So um, I told everybody, told the nation that I would be back on the first flight that was available for me. Um, and and I was. As soon as they said I was uh, being reinstated, I flew back to Washington. I think it was in March. And I flew back, and I was actually there to receive my letter of reinstatement. And that was just one of the biggest, biggest things of my my lifetime was to be able to be reinstated because that's what I asked for. I asked for two things, to be able to be a coach and to be able to pray after a football game. That's the only two things I asked the court to do. So that was the first part of it. Well, they hit me up with every red tape you could possibly imagine in the spring. So I wasn't even allowed to step on the football field in spring ball. I said, we'll try again in the fall. So I showed up for the first day of fall camp. I got to work out with my guys every single day for fall camp. And I made it to the first game, which we won. And it, it was really anticlimactic for as far as um, a thing of, of seeing a guy taking a knee because the game was so incredible that everybody forgot about the guy taking a knee after a game and they were focused on the kid, which was an absolute answer to prayer. And I went, took a knee after the game, and my wife and I said, you know, well, what's next for us now? We have ailing uh, father-in-law down in Texas, or in Florida, and we prayed about it. And uh, Monday went to practice, Tuesday went to practice, and we got test results back from my father-in-law. And we prayed about it and said, you know, this will probably be best for the school since, you know, I'm not really wanted here anyway for our community and for our family. So 
we moved, it was the first time we got to make a choice in eight years. It was the first time my wife and I just um, the two of us make a decision with even without Jeremy, you know, which was really cool to not make a decision with uh, lawyers for the first time. And so, yeah, we, we, we came back to Florida and we resigned and, and our life has just been free for the first time. It's Good awesome for you, buddy. That is awesome to hear. So you write a book. The book is amazing. Everybody that's listening to this, get the book. It's called Average Joe. Uh, I read it twice in the last 24 hours, getting ready for today's interview. And it's so good. It's so well done. Um, and, and and tell me about this movie. What, what's that about, Joe? Yeah, so we actually started out with the movie. I, um, I did a couple interviews at the beginning, like um, with the just us talking remember way back you know, at the very beginning that somebody heard our story when you and I were talking and they were like, man, I need to hear more. So the guys that did uh, God's not dead heard the story. And when we were talking and they said, we want to hear more about it. And so they heard my life story in detail. And they said, that sounds like a movie. And so they, we started doing a screenplay on it and that's exactly the way it turned out. And we ended up writing a book because, you know, COVID and everything else uh, went along and everything was put on hold there. But we just uh, uh, finished filming about three weeks ago. It's in editing right now, and it should be out right in time for football season this coming year. Oh, my goodness gracious. Where's the get some on that one, Rick? (laughs) I was right there. (laughs) That's awesome. So is Sylvester Stallone playing you or who's playing Joe Kennedy? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I always said any idiot could play me. You just need a guy that could drag his knuckles around the screen. I was really worried about the person that was going to be playing my wife. We needed somebody that was really special that can endure the things that my wife went through during all of this. So, yeah. So um, Eric Close is the guy who played me. I had to Google who the guy was. But as soon as you see him, you'd be like, oh, yeah. Amy Acker is playing my wife, and uh, there's a guy named Awesome Wood that's uh, he's playing me as a young Marine, which did a fantastic job. I got to be on the set and show these guys, you know, my life, and I got to bring my picture albums and stuff, and and got to help them on the set. It was really awesome, and and just weird to see your life being played out in a, you know, out there behind the the, the scenes on it. So who plays Jeremy? I mean, it better be The Rock. Look at this guy, man. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I, I think it was Danny DeVito or somebody like that. <laughs> I know, Brick. If they ever made a movie about us, I Joe Pesci would probably play me. Right? Oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is so exciting, my friend, and 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 we'll be watching because we're gonna want to throw that to everybody that we know uh, to watch that movie, but. Uh, uh, it's so good to see you living restfully, buddy, you know, just in rest. I know the last eight years have been a battle, Jeremy. I know you're still at the fight for a bunch of people out there, but to see coach Kennedy, just so rested, it's uh that's an answer to prayer when it comes to what I was praying for you, buddy. It really is. So Jeremy, what can we do to help you? What can we do to help First Liberty? Tell us what we could tell our people about um, the things we could do to support you. Well, I, I think there's a number of things that anybody can do. Number one, if you want more information about Coach Kennedy's case or all the cases we're working on, there, there's a lot more than just Coach Kennedy's case that we're working on now. Uh, you can always follow us at firstliberty.org. And of course, 
uh, we're able to provide our legal services pro bono for free. So coach never got a bill, never will get a bill from us in seven, eight years of litigation. Uh, all of our clients receive that benefit because people like you and others around the country uh, donate to this organization to make sure that when the government offends your religious liberty, you don't have to pay an attorney to get all that uh, those civil rights back. So that's that's the first thing you can do is certainly just stay in touch. And, and if you feel led, certainly invest in the organization. Uh, but on top of that, you, you heard Coach a second ago just simply say that it was a bit anticlimactic uh, when he went back to the field. You know, there, there's a, actually a deep treasure in that that is kind of hidden. I wanted to, to pull out. Religious liberty sometimes gets the like the star-studded treatment, like it's unattainable or something like that, right? That it only happens in books and movies. And it's right for Coach to have a book and a movie. I think this is all great. That's not a criticism. But, you know, reality is that religious freedom exists in the ordinary. You know, we, we would miss it if we didn't have it every single day so that when we lose it, like Coach Kennedy lost his, that's why it seems so overwhelming to get it back. But when we actually practice our religious freedom, it's very ordinary. And that's a really, really great thing. So when you go on Sunday to your church and open the doors and realize there aren't guards keeping you locked in or kept out, that's an ordinary act that is filled with huge amounts of freedom that most of our forebears in the world history never got to enjoy. When you have a student club on your campus that gets to talk about your faith during a school recess or even during school club time, you know, that's a privilege that is rather ordinary because there's a chess club and an AV club and all these other clubs that are meeting, but it's a privilege that has not existed throughout most of human history. Uh, when you have a religious ministry that is formed uh, as a group of people that want to do good things in the name of Jesus or uh, their faith uh, to the world around them to, to actually heal the sick, to care for the wounded, to, to protect the orphans and the widows, we're doing something extraordinary in the very, in the very ordinary act of service based upon our religious beliefs. And so I don't want anyone to lose sight of the fact of this, that the greatest thing you can do for religious freedom is simply be free as a person of faith. Sit down at the, at the dinner table with your family and tell them what freedom actually means. Talk to your kids as they come home from school or if you homeschool them yourself, entrust to them what it means for future generations to live as free people dedicated to religious freedom. That is how we do ordinary things to achieve extraordinary results that we for in this country for the last 200 plus years have simply called freedom. Free five! God bless you, Jeremy. God bless you and the work that First Liberty is doing. Coach Kennedy, um, it's an honor to know you, Maureen. It really is, my friend. And uh, we, you know, hey, we're bringing our event to Plano. And I got it. We were just talking with Jeremy before we started this podcast. But I got to tell you, bringing it to your backyard in Texas is an answer to prayer to Rick and I. We've been wanting to bring the honorable, the mission of what we do in educating these athletes about patriotism because it's something that is getting it's just not getting taught anymore in schools right and the fact that we have a vehicle like what we have that we could bring that to the high schools and um, open it up to many different schools that have a chance to hear uh, the stories of, of sacrifice and brotherhood and patriotism we're honored to be bringing this to Plano, hopefully next year, buddy. So we'll be in touch with you, Jeremy, uh, Coach Kennedy. Um, it's it's an honor to know you, my friend. It really is. God bless Thank you. Thank you, man. Keep it up. 
keep it up, my friend. We, we, it's an honor to be your friend, Rick. Is there anything that I might've forgotten at all? Not at all, coach. I, 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 I did know everything you say that Joe it's, it is true. I mean, it's, it's not just hearsay that we, we followed this code. Uh, we followed this case. We, we just were elated when we heard about it. I still talk about it. Um, at the dog park, right? <laughs> Which is my usual place to go. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, just a huge fan and just honored to, to say that, yes, you're a friend. Yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for, for making it so easy to forget how we have so many things that we consider liberty and freedom and are so easily put down. And um, yeah, it, it makes me proud to say I'm Christian and say that I'm a believer and like Mark and uh, we both are and all four of us, it's something that, um, you know, we, there's that, there's that group out there in, in Texas that just loves getting involved with these things. Like you said, I, I find it fascinating that you thought it would be a two week, th two week thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's truly awesome to see the power of God. It is awesome yeah. to see it. And I got to tell you, Joe, and you probably see this too when you were in the locker rooms, but when we go into the locker rooms and they hear our story and we ask those kids to lock arms, they 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 do it. They enjoy it. They, 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 there's no pushback. There's, I don't care whatever belief they may be. It's a time of brotherhood in those locker rooms. And, um, you know, my brother, my, not my brother, my son, when he was in Afghanistan and he, t he made a comment to me and it stuck with me about there's no atheists in foxholes. And he told me, I would tell him before he would go on missions and he was on a very bad deployment. I mean, 25 of his Marines were killed. Um, the worst in, in Afghanistan history. And um, I always told my son, let the spirit speak to you, son. Listen to that spirit in your heart. If he tells you not to go down that alley, don't go down that alley, but just listen. And that's what he did. Right. And it kept him alive. Right. But what you guys have done in strengthening my cause in what we're doing when it comes to the high schools that we're visiting, I got to tell you, Jeremy, um, your words have just um, emboldened me, my friend. It really did. And I'm trying not to get emotional because uh, your words were fantastic. So God bless you both. Thank you for being on our podcast. We're going to blast this out everywhere. Um, we'll be, uh, get his book, everybody. Get his book. Average Joe. I'm sure it's available on Amazon. Um, hey, write reviews. It's an amazing book. Um, and we'll be telling you about when the movie comes out. But guys, God bless you. Thank you for being on Honor Radio. And uh, we'll be following your story. God bless, guys. Bye. Thank you. We're always here for you, brother.